everybody. Uh, welcome back to the Mastering Risk Management podcast, um, or more specifically, the podcast chats. Uh, so I'm Anthony Wilson, and with us, as always, Brett Palmer. Hey, Brett. Hi, Anthony. Welcome back. Yes, here we go again. Uh, it's been a while, but uh, you'll recall, listeners, the last time we spoke, we talked about critical controls and uh, gave some examples around those elements of the business resilience program in organisations. So. If you haven't checked out that episode yet, uh, do so. Uh, there's some some good uh, information in that one as well. Got some great feedback on that last one, Anthony. It's fairly obvious that uh, it hit a chord with our listeners. The the, the criticality aspect is perhaps something that uh, some of them haven't maybe not focused on in the past. So uh, a number of questions actually coming up about how you can actually flag them as being critical within your risk management uh, applications as well, which were quite interesting. We might see if we can talk about some aspects of risk management uh, tools, uh, systems, applications at some stage down down the track as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, we don't mean the world's biggest risk management software solution called Excel. Uh, we mean actual <laughs> specialist software solutions. Um, uh, and speaking of information, Brett, um, uh, the listeners may or may not be aware, but after each of the podcast chats, we also, about a week later, release a blog uh, on the subject as well. So, if you are interested in seeing the written word on this as well, uh, it's available. Uh, probably the best way to get that is to subscribe to our newsletter. So if you go to our website, www.abmrisk.com.au, uh, you can sign up for our newsletter and then you'll be informed as each blog comes out. Uh, you can look at them on the website as well. Uh, but they, they those uh, blogs actually reinforce what we talk about on each of our podcast chats. So that's another bit of uh, information, another source of information for you uh, as we have these discussions. Yeah, listeners uh, can also go back uh, and have a look at the podcasts that we've uh, we've published over the years. There's, what are we up to? About 65 or 70, I think, thereabouts, Anthony. So, you know, some interesting subjects in there that they might be, uh, might be keen to, to go back and have a listen to and have a read. Yeah, we've... Yeah, we've been blessed with some um, some really good guests uh, over the years, and um, yeah, uh, they they keep coming. We've got some great uh, interviews coming up um, uh, for the foreseeable future. I know what I'm doing for the next uh, twelve months, basically, in uh, in terms of interviews. So uh, keep an eye out or an ear out rather uh, for those as well. Uh, but today, Brett, what are we going to talk about to the listeners today? Uh, I think today we should have a chat about the relationship between risk and insurance. It's that time of year, you know, June is that critical time of year when, uh, when most organisations, well, a lot of organisations are heading down that, uh, that 30th of June insurance renewal path. And, uh, you know, we're in a hard market. We're in a very hard market. And we've been in it for quite some time now. Yeah, and I guess uh, listeners will have been through that program by the time they listen to the to the podcast. But the, the relevance is, is still the same, you know, at whatever time of year you renew your insurance program. Uh, it usually comes along with some pain and some some angst and, uh, you know, uh, a CFO that's getting very excitable about potential premium increases and all of those sort of things. So we thought it would be worth exploring uh, the relationship between risk and insurance, and we, we want to do that for a very, very important reason, and uh, uh, we, we think that will become obvious as we, as we talk about this. Yeah, I think uh, this is a very interesting subject. A lot of organisations have historically had risk and insurance managed together. But a lot of organisations also don't see the connection and perhaps miss the opportunity to uh, to get the benefits out of an effective, mature risk management 
function capability mm. in how they engage with insurance markets. And um, I think you and I are both very fortunate that we've been in a position of being able to leverage this into how we engage with the markets. It's yeah. important. Uh, it's not something that's necessarily understood by by many of the brokers. Some of them are very good at it. Some of them have no, no understanding at all um, of what the alignment between risk and insurance actually brings to the table and how to actually capitalise on that opportunity. Yeah. But, uh, our experience is that it can make a significant difference. I think it's important for people to understand, but um, it's also an interesting way to gain support within your own organisation for your, your risk management objectives, um, uh, as, as much as it pains me to say it. But you know, some, of, some of the uh, leadership of your organisation might be looking for where the payoff is financially. You know, what is this risk management thing going to give me in dollars? Mm. You know, show me, show me the benefits. Mm. Know, don't tell me that you know it's working just because the risks are not happening. That might have happened anyway. Mm. But when you actually manage to align risk and insurance, and you can achieve some <clears throat> real efficiencies in in your insurance program, it gives you the ability to be actually demonstrate. You know, this is the money we've saved by engaging with the underwriters on the risk management uh, principles. Yeah, and and um, Brett, there's still some very narrow minds out there, as you say, that, that think about this in dollars and cents. And, and even worse, some of them uh, just in premium dollars. So they don't even think about this in a value equation. So, hey, I've got twice as much coverage, I've got better deductibles, I've got whatever else, and I'm paying a slightly bit bigger premium. Uh, they just don't get the value equation. So, um, you know, that's probably an aside and a different thing to deal with. But, you know, what, what is the relationship between risk and insurance? What, what should the uh, listeners think about uh, in this regard? Okay. So I guess one of the problems we see frequently with, our, with, with a lot of organisations is that they approach their insurance renewal from a perspective of being basically taking whatever terms are provided. So yes, they'll work with a broker and the broker will go through the process and then the terms will come back from the underwriter. Hmm. Now, nobody understands how an organisation manages its risks better than the organisation itself. Mm. So the organisation fundamentally needs to be directly involved in that engagement with the underwriters because what they need to do is they need to sell their risk management capability. So rather than just being a taker of the terms that are offered for renewal, they need to be actively engaged in the process so that they're selling their risk management capability to insurers. Now, insurers that understand this see the value in this approach. They want their clients to be managing risks effectively. Yeah, yeah. It's fundamental. So it's actually something that, that benefits both sides. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just a matter of being able to work with your broker to engage with the market to demonstrate that risk maturity, that risk capability. Now, obviously, you need to drill down into specific risks and, and how you're actually managing those specific risks. But what you're actually doing is you're doing that as a part of a broader strategy to actually demonstrate to the insurers, to the underwriters, that you have that risk management maturity, that risk yeah. management culture that they should be willing to support. That's right. And, and what do we say? Sell risk, don't buy insurance. You know, we, we've got to change the paradigm, uh, I think, with this. And, you know, it, it requires that your broker is truly a partner, right, that they're actually there alongside you working through uh, the renewal process. And, you know, yeah, we've had hard markets and we're still in a hard market to some degree. But, you know, that partnership 
helps you get through this. And, and I couldn't agree more. You, you have to engage with the underwriters. They have to know who you are. They have to know what you're doing. They, they have to know how you think about uh, the risk that, that you're presented with and, and how you actually mitigate those. So, you know, when you can demonstrate that you've thought about it, you've thought about preventing controls, you've thought about mitigating controls, you provide assurance over those controls, you know, that gives an underwriter a really high level of comfort. Now, it doesn't mean the risk won't occur, but if an underwriter is sitting there thinking about three potential clients they're going to cover, which one do you think they're going to take, right? The one that doesn't even engage with them, the one that does engage but doesn't really have much in the way of risk management activity, or the one that's actually thought through the risks and put controls in place? You know, I know which one I'd engage with if I was an underwriter. Yeah, and I guess just to add to that, Anthony, not every underwriter is focused on this. And not every client is in a position to be able to move the curve. Um, it, it, it doesn't apply to everybody. Mm. You know, you've, got to, you've got to be a client that's looking for you know, a reasonable spend on your insurance. Mm. You know, you, you've got to, there's, there's got to be, it's got to be some differentiators in how the underwriters will see the value out of your risk management process. And, and unfortunately, that means that, you know, for small businesses, this isn't something that's going to work mm. at all. So we are talking about fairly large organisations here, large corporations, ASX listed entities. All of this sort of stuff is where we're really focusing on here. Yeah, you mid you mid to you mid to large businesses. Yeah, that, that have got a decent spend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think so. Unfortunately, you know, if you're a very small business, and obviously consumers, um, you know, they they have no ability to be able to uh, to influence the the pricing. It's all driven by. Um, by algorithms and, you know, it's... The law of large numbers. Yeah, the law of large numbers obviously applies, so you're not going to move anything on those. But yeah. for others, yes, there is definitely potential. You know, we had, a, we had a client 12 months ago say to us, he said, I'm absolutely sick to death of hearing about the hard market. Everything's blamed on the hard market. He said, when's somebody going to actually make some suggestions to me on what the strategy is to respond to it? Yeah. And, yeah. and that was exactly right. Now... You know, since that time, we've taken that client on a journey, and uh, That's right. I think they're in yeah. a much better place than they were twelve months ago on their insurance renewal. Very much so. So there is there are ways to deal with the hard market, um, and you know, it, it largely does come down to that risk management capability, risk management maturity. Um, but you've got to be working with a broker that will actually engage with the markets. It's got to be that relationship that you're developing. And it's got to be with insurers who actually recognise the value as well. And, and obviously, some classes of insurance are going to be more open to that than others. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, if you've got an underwriter that, that's not really on board, well, then, you know, potentially you should take the time and effort to, to either educate them and bring them up to speed and, you know, paint the picture of what it brings for them. Or, as Brett said, change your underwriter, right? <laughs> Go somewhere else. So, you know, um, there, there's a really strong link in this. And, you know, hesitant as we are to sell risk management as a, you know, dollar-saving exercise, because it is, but that shouldn't be the primary motivation of this, right? But it, it, there is that very strong link um, between how good you do your risk management, how well you think about risk, how well you put controls in place, how well you make sure that they're working, and what you're going to pay in premium. That's right. right? Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you end up just dollar-swapping with the insurer, and, you know, that, that gets nobody anything other than the insurers. When, when you think about this, Anthony, for the clients that we've got that are on the risk management journey, they buy insurance anyway. Yeah. So if they're on the risk management journey and doing what needs to be done to enhance their overall risk management capability and maturity, and they have to buy insurance 
anyway, what's the issue in bringing the two things together to get a better outcome? It's a bit of a no-brainer, I'm afraid. No downside whatsoever. So uh, our listeners might be interested. Um, we've mentioned before that we have the uh, we have the the, the, pod, the follow up blogs to the podcast chats, and uh, we obviously have a number of other blogs as well. We we actually put out a, a blog on this twelve months ago, July twenty twenty two, which was called uh, Sticker Shock Insurance Renewal Sticker Shock. So it's only a very short, sharp blog, and yeah. it just talks about some of the the basics that we've covered here today in this conversation. But it, it does really focus on the fact that there is an opportunity to be able to do things differently in how you engage. And uh, you know, we we said it in this in this interview today, and I'm going to say it again. You know, stop buying insurance and start selling risk. Absolutely, and that's a good note to finish on, Brett. So that that blog uh, that Brett just mentioned, uh, the sticker shock one. You'll find that on our website, along with, uh, as I mentioned earlier, after these podcast chats, we write another blog uh, just to go along with them about a week or so after uh, the the chat goes live. You'll find that blog across all of the blogs, all of the uh, podcast chats and all of the podcast interviews that we do. You'll find those in our newsletter, which comes out once a month as well. So we're not bombarding you with materials. We know everybody's busy nowadays. So, you know, our newsletter comes out once a month. Uh, it's an easy read uh, or a listen if you're going to go and listen to some of the, uh, the podcast chats or interviews. And you'll find that and can subscribe to the newsletter uh, at our website. So www.abmrisk.com.au. So uh, do yourself a favour, as a famous Australian uh, music commentator used to say, go and uh, head to the website, sign up for the newsletter, and you'll keep across uh, all of this, uh, this information and, and do that at your own pace. So, Brett, uh, once again, another uh, podcast chat concluded. We will reconvene in about a month or so's time. So thank you again for being here. So thank you again, listeners. Uh, It's been great to have you again. This is the Mastering Risk Management podcast chat. Uh, I'm Anthony Wilson. We will see you again shortly. Cheers. Cheers.